Is God still listening? This is a three-part podcast exploring the Christian perspective on contemporary societal topics, brought to you by Raw Holloway's Christian Union. Well, hi and welcome everyone. This is the Christian Union's second podcast where we are going to be addressing the question, where is God in the midst of racial injustice? Um, I'm very excited to introduce to you our special guest, Damilola Makende. Please take it away, Damilola. Hello, hello. Good to be with you, Seb. Um, yeah, so my name is Damilola Makende. I am I'm a lawyer by background or semi-lawyer. Um, I trained in law and I also do a bit of work in Christian ministry. So I work for my church. Telling people about Jesus is the main brief I have there. Um, and then I also work for an organization called the Lawyers Christian Fellowship, which exists to share the good news about who Jesus is within the legal profession and to help yeah, Christians do their work in a way that points to the God that they serve and worship. I'm big sister. I have three siblings whom I love dearly and I'm kind of a snack addict. So you'll probably find a minimum of three to five snacks around me at any given point in time. And that's certainly not changed in the midst of COVID. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of me. <laughs> that is great. Some things don't change to trial and tribulation. <laughs> awesome. Our first question is, could you please define for us what racial injustice is? Yeah, that's a great question um, and it will be helpful to us as we continue on. I think if I was going to break it down in like basic terms, it's obviously injustice on the grounds of race. So um, race being a construct around subdivisions in humanity based on yeah basic things like pigmentation and whatnot, countries of origin. So it's that, but then leading to injustice. So like my functional definition of in, of justice is that it has to do with right relationships with humans in society and the ordering of those right relationships. Injustice then has a component of like destroying those relationships and that will manifest in different forms, like economically, legally, personally. So like there's a structural dimension to it and a personal dimension to it. Um, but at the heart of it, it's an inequality on the basis of ethnicity, background, race, pigmentation, which leads to broken relationships in society. Mm, that's really helpful, No, Thank you. Our second question for you is, we know and we see throughout scripture and through, through the body of Christ that, that God remains the same, but historically the church and many Christians have been complicit in racial injustice. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about this, please? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, God has stayed the same. And yeah, it's very messy God's relationship with his people and with and Christians relationship with this and it's messy not on God's part the mess tends to come from us and it's no different here and I think in just charting like the history of, of racial injustice um, yeah it's not a 2020-2021 phenomenon by any stretch of the imagination yeah it's from way back when and we can we can see this in the scriptures and we can see it in at least the subdivisions, the divisions between um, Jews and Gentiles in scripture. And like, it's worth us considering what does that amount to and where is it coming from? And I don't think it's as straightforward for us to like draw straight parallels between the, their experience back in the day and what we experience now. But there's certainly an element where things are divided along racial lines and we need to contend with that. I think the Christian church has had to contend with this quite a bit. So we see it in the book of Acts in the Bible, which is in the New Testament. And this is a book that records what the early Christians are doing and what they um, end up getting stuck in when Jesus ascends back to heaven and they're left to take the, the mission and commission of Jesus into all of the world. 
And right when they start doing that, there's been a context of division along lines of race um, between Jews and non-Jewish people. And so those early Christian leaders, in particular in Acts 10, it's a guy by the name of Peter. Um, he's given a dream by God and it's God telling him that the divisions that he has known in his faith alongside lines of race, they can't exist there anymore. So yeah, so we can see like elements of racism and like combating racial injustice in scripture itself. Also way back when in the Reformation... We've got Martin Luther, who's like a hero of, of that movement and did amazing work in seeking to get the scriptures right at the heart of Christian faith and to get everyone to read the scriptures. And that's all pretty amazing stuff. Um, but alongside the really great stuff, there's often really bad stuff. And he, yeah, out of like a zeal, I guess, in part for Jesus, had some really anti-Semitic tendencies and like sentiments that were expressed in his work. So that's someone doing really great Christian work um, and yet not quite getting the integration that there needs to be between how we relate with God personally and how we treat other people. And then, yeah, we can go on to like slavery in the United States and chattel slavery around the world. And like in particular in the US context, it's like so fascinating and slightly depressing that like when it came to their civil war which is the states like falling apart in a large in a large respect because of racial injustice and the issue of slavery and that there were christian churches on both sides who were saying you no know, the godly thing to do is either to seek um the, the abolition of slavery or on the other hand no like slavery is a thing that's mandated from god that it, like it's for our good and we should hold on to it and then we've got colonialism and yeah so I'm I'm a Nigerian like the legacy of colonialism is not far away from me and I, and that's not true just for me like it's probably worth all of us considering how the legacy of colonialism affects us and how we conceive and treat of um other people but like alongside that and like that ideology which also is like quite white supremacist in its origins but like th there was also like good missionary efforts in the midst of it and people like with a desire to like take the truth of who Jesus is all across the world as Christians are commissioned to do and yeah and like this isn't this wasn't the case for everyone but it was certainly true that some of the thrust of that was um rooted in an ideology that saw those other people as like yeah others that needed to be civilized as like yeah different forms of humans that weren't quite as um yeah great or worthy of praise or respect as white people and then like moving us to to racial injustice today and I guess just some of that like historical journey is worth having in mind because yeah the past does shape our experience of the present and and those things do bleed into racial interactions today but yeah some of how some of how that manifests is like in explicit things like yeah I've been on buses where people have been like abused on the basis of their race and like their national identity and stuff but also like worth us considering in terms of covid and like the, the disproportional deaths in um black and minority ethnic communities and what aspects of a, a structural systemic skewing of things against people of color and foreigners um, and how that manifests in unequal outcomes in society. So I think, yeah, it's worth, again, here, just remembering like there's personal and then systemic um, dimensions to racism and Christians have been um, complicit in both, unfortunately, both in the personal one-to-one, -one, um, but also in propping up systems um, which denigrate the value of other human beings. Thank you for that. I suppose the follow-up question is, what does God and the or the Bible, what both say about racial injustice? Um, what is God's response? As you say, we've got 
the church having responded to both sides um, of, of the abolition of slavery, what is, what is the biblical truth surrounding that? If you could sort of respond to that, please. Well, I think this is a really key question. And so to try and answer it, I'm going to go where the Von Trapp family tell us to and start at the very beginning, because it's a very good place to start. And yet the start of the biblical story is in the book of Genesis. And we see that God is creating the world and is expressing something of himself in the midst of that. Um, and all that we see it in the world today is telling us something about who God is. And yet the pinnacle of creation is when God makes human beings. And in the language of the scripture, God says, now let us make human beings in our own image. And so God makes male and female in his image. There's something about our humanity that comes from God and represents God. So where, th- where this ties up with race is that, yeah, the Bible's understanding we are one as human beings, like we are united and we find our identity and worth first in the nature of who God is before it's ever anything about subdivisions on the lines of race or ethnicity or anything like that. We have a common ancestry in, in we share humanity, but not just that we share the same representation of God in our very being. So like that's the, that's the Bible smashing um, understandings of human beings and categories of race, like from the jump. But then beyond that, and a lot of like racism works through again othering other human beings and denigrating them and instituting a separation between different forms of human beings um but the yeah the biblical story is very clear against doing things like that so the people of Israel God's chosen nation they themselves are enslaved um and some like one of the pivotal moments of their story is them getting out of slavery in Egypt And yet there is a temptation for them to treat people the way that they've been treated. They've been subjected to such hurt in the land of Egypt. But again and again, when God gives them a law, which is to help them live life well, God tells them again and again and again, you need to watch how you treat um, other people. So listen to this from the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 19. It says this, do not mistreat foreigners who are living in your land. Treat them as you would an Israelite and love them as you love yourselves. Remember that you were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And again, that verse is going right to the heart of um, what it is to treat another person well. And the point is treat them as you would treat yourself. Um, and Jesus comes to say much the same thing um, when we encounter him in the Gospels. Um, and one of the more more jarring stories around this is the story of the Good Samaritan, which we can understand like along like charitable lines and like be kind to people and put them up in a hotel if they've been beaten on the side of the street. Um, but there's so much that's going on in that story. And that, kind, that element of kindness is there too. Uh, but it's worth recognizing that there are racial undertones to how that story Um, unfolds that there was deep division between Samaritans and Jews in that time and it would have been unthinkable for a Jew to engage with a Samaritan in any way and then if anything a Jew would have seen themselves as the ones to help a Samaritan and not the other way around and yet in Jesus making the Samaritan the hero in this story he is checking the Jews understanding of the other and where there's like a hierarchical understanding and again a demeaning of the other Jesus is saying is Jesus is turning that on on its head you are to love your neighbor your neighbor is not just the person it's convenient for you to love the person who looks most like you who's been socialized in the way that you are 
your neighbor is, is whoever is around you. And so, yeah, that's another piece of what scripture says. And then in the book of Galatians, which is further into the New Testament, um, again, picking apart this Jew and Gentile division, which has religious aspects, and um, but which also has racial aspects. And Paul, the person who writes this book, says in verse 28 of Galatians chapter three, there is no longer Jew or Gentile and it ends for you are all one in Christ. Now, it doesn't mean to say that those groups no longer exist. But what he's trying to say is that there is now no longer any basis for division, opposition between you because you come to know a unity in Jesus. So the Bible speaks consistently of God's love for humanity, of humans being branded with his very image and of the need to respect God and respect each other in how we interact with each other and speaks very strongly. And um, I could uh, could cite a number of passages in the Old Testament where the prophets are coming against um, the unjust practices of the people of Israel, both between themselves, but also in terms of how they treat foreigners, widows, the oppressed amongst them. And God is enraged with them because that's not how he's treated them. And it's not how he expects them to treat others through that. Mm, that is really good. That is really good. Thank you for that. That's a really helpful answer. Um, I think our final question for you is a phrase that I personally uh, saw a lot throughout 2020, 2021, was that it is not enough to be not racist. Uh, we have to be actively anti-racist. Is there a hope? Are you seeing that there are more people who are actually willing to learn to, to be actively anti-racist. Um, what are the church and Christian communities doing now that you think is encouraging? Cool, thanks. That's a helpful question. Yeah, I think, I think that sentence is right, that it isn't enough to just be not racist and that there's a proactive element to that. I think that that sentiment is getting at people saying, you know, like, well, I treat everyone nice. And so even if I recognize that racism is a reality around me, like there's no there's no duty on me to combat that. And I think, yeah, that's that's lazy. Obviously, on the other side of that, though, it's hard for people to know all the time what the best way for them to engage in anti-racism is. So like I think statements like this are helpful, but it's, it tends to be helpful for us to like dig um, a bit deeper than the like easy statement and the slogan and just like work through in community with, with each other. What does this actually look like? But yes, as to like the second part of that question, is there hope of um, people learning and engaging? I think yes and no, um, if I'm going to be real. So I'll start with yes. We'll start with good news first and then we'll move to bad. I think I've been encouraged by in the past year. And of course, yeah, like the murder of George Floyd brought this to worldwide prominence in a whole new way. And yeah, that was truly horrific, but in some senses, like, not new either. But yeah, the encouragement of some of that moment, I guess, was having the issue of racism be on way more radars than it had been before. And like leaders and industry leaders and companies and like the general populace being faced with it in a way that people couldn't ignore. Because racism tends to be easier for communities that aren't affected by it um, to ignore. Whereas those who are affected by racism, um, yeah, like we we don't need George Floyd to be murdered to know that racism is a pressing reality. Whereas other people, like it was helpful to put the reality of racism 
on their radar and that's been great and like it it started lots of conversation and dialogue which I think is really important but beyond that too like actions and and like organizations and groups committing to be more proactive in their engagement with race and to be more proactive in seeking to have different people at tables to shape things and to be in positions of influencing things recognizing that we all have blind spots and and if you've not been if you've not experienced racial prejudice it's possible that you've got a blind spot in that area and so it's really important that you're exposed to people who have knowledge and can offer things to like shape understanding here so I've seen a number of things like that that have been really encouraging and and like yeah conversations I've had with friends who've like been like yeah I don't really know the fullness of how to engage in this but like I want you to know that like this I care about this now I see that this is important and particularly in the context of faith like I see that for me to truly say I like I'm following Jesus I need to care about like other people and like racism is a thing that affects other people so I want to be more committed on this front and that's been a gift and long may things like that continue but I mean like yeah the bad news is I think our world is incredibly polarized and incredibly divided And where it's like the trendy thing to say like, yeah, I'm against racism. Um, And that's that's obviously what people are more likely to proclaim on an online platform. Like no one's in general stupid enough, especially not in a a student setting, to say anything that might be construed as racist because they'll get shot down in a moment. But while all of that stuff like cares a lot about what how people present and what people are saying and what people are posting, the deeper work that needs to be done is what's happening in people's hearts and unpicking of narratives that people have grown up with at dinner tables and dominant ways of understanding society. Those things are a lot harder to change than a hashtag can enable. Um, And I'm not as encouraged on that front because of how divided our world is. I think it makes it easier for like certain groups of people to pat themselves on the back for how much great work they're doing when it comes to countering racial injustice um and yet there's a number of people in society and like some of this might not be like i'm gonna say like active, I, i'm not sure how to term this i was gonna say like active prejudice or like yeah to their understanding it, it might not arise out of any feeling of like blacks or other people being less than but they just don't see systemic racism they they it just doesn't make sense to them. And so for those people, all of the like, I guess, spotlight going to racism further like disenfranchises them. And so they all stick together and they basically chat with each other about how everyone else is crazy for thinking systemic racism is a thing. Those who do believe systemic racism is a thing are like, those people are so backward and horrible. And basically we all just live in our like eco chambers and we say things that encourage each other, but we're not actually engaging where it's difficult because it is really difficult to have different perspectives on this and seek to have those shifted. And I've personally been in conversations with people where I'm like, well, I'm, I'm trying to give you insight into what this looks like in my life and I'm hoping that if I share with you personally you'll be able to understand it a bit better and I've come away frustrated a number of times at like their inability to understand yeah my understanding or experience of racism so I think I think there is a lot to be encouraged by but I think just the realities of how polarized our world is it's worth all of us having it on our radar not to just speak to people who we know will agree with us and like win cheap victories online or elsewhere but like to think of how to engage 
in those more difficult spaces. And I definitely don't have all the answers. That's very much a live question for me. But yeah, that's a bit of like what encourages me, but also discourages me. I think like I've had loads of really great conversations in this past year, but some of the conversations that haven't happened are maybe the ones that are most necessary and like more conversations with people who disagree and yet they're just harder to do because <laughs> there's lots that we disagree on so anyway that's um that's the like first chunk of your question there was another wee bit about your question though and it was about the church and christian communities and yet like i am a member of of a church um, and also like take part in a number of christian communities and i'm very grateful for the opportunity to do that and again like encouraging and and discouraging too. I'm just going to be real. I don't want to present like that Christians have it all together because we most certainly don't. And that's some of the point we come to Jesus because we don't have it all together and we continue to not have it all together after we've come to him. And, but we come to know grace um, and kindness and the work of his spirit, which makes us more like him. That's the hope and the trajectory. I'll big up my church. Um, I go to a church in central London called King's Cross Church. And we've like done a series around like understanding race for the whole church family to be involved in. And we've had an, a range of like teaching, but also like small group discussions on it. I think that kind of thing is is important. I think on a on a broader level, like churches and Christian groups having on their radar, they need to have different people at the table when it comes to influencing things and making decisions again it's not just nice to like yeah offer tea and coffee to black people as well as white people or asian people or whatnot in the same way but in terms of like what shapes the culture of an organization what shapes like the decisions that are being made opening that up to people from a range of backgrounds to speak into is really important and then like on the on this like the plainly personal level like us checking our friendship groups and seeing how much they reflect our preferences and where we sit in society or how much they reflect the kingdom of God. Um, and one of the things that Jesus got picked up on again and again and again by the religious authorities was that he was hanging out with all the wrong people. He was hanging out with people who were different to him and not with people who, yeah, were all the same and doing all the right things as as they thought should be the case. And yeah, we, we know that the people that Jesus hang was hanging around with, like he, he was still true to himself in the midst of that and but he wasn't stuck in like a defined cultural category and unable to relate with other people and I think it's worth um yeah I'm seeing like that come on the radar in Christian organizations more and like at our church we've had a lot of work on considering yeah like who what what's your contacts list like like who are you actually living doing life with who are you open to um and if you have if you don't have a certain demographic in your in your life, like is that just the reality of where you are in the stage of life that you're at? Or are there other unspoken things that are at play there? So I see like both at a structural level and a personal level, Christian communities um stepping out in ways that are encouraging. I guess what might be what we need to see is how much of this stuff stands the test of time. And even now in in like, yeah, where we are in 2021. It's this issue is less intense than it had been in May of 2020. And like some of that is like it was that was necessarily going to happen. Like it had media spotlight in a way that it doesn't have now. And I guess the task for the people of God is for us to show that we don't just care about racial injustice when it's popular in in broader society. But because of who Jesus is and because of, of our lives being committed to him, we are here and um, to stand with him against racial injustice over the course of our lives. And that we'll be those who have it on our radar to make sure that 
outsiders are included in our communities and that they can find home with us. And then also to challenge the structures of oppression that lead other people not to have equal access to opportunities and equal outcomes. Yeah, so that's some of what's encouraging and discouraging. But on the whole, like I think, yeah, as Christian communities can keep opening themselves up to the spirit of God, the spirit of God will do that work in us of making us look more like Jesus. And that will be to counter racial injustice. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Tamalala, for for all your wisdom um, and and all the things that you had to say on on these topics. Well, I want to thank the listeners as well. If you have any questions with regards to what Tamalala has spoken about, or you have any questions regarding the faith, Grilla Christian is happening on Friday. Tamalala will be speaking there as well. And you can tune into that to hopefully find a couple more answers to some of these questions. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much, Damalola, for your contribution and your, your insight. And that is all from us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode two of Is God Still Listening? There's one more episode for you to enjoy, and that will be coming out on Thursday this week. If this podcast has left you with any questions, we'd love to invite you to our Gorilla Christian event on Friday, the 19th of February. This is a great opportunity for you to ask our three podcast guests any questions you might have about faith or about the topics that we've covered today. Alternatively, if you'd like to chat or read the Bible with one of us, please get in touch with us via our Instagram at rawholloway.cu. That's at rawholloway.cu. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.